Assalamu alaikum brothers and sisters, welcome back to Mind of Manari. This is episode 4 of the Halakha series. So in Abad, in this Halakha series you spoke about the punishments of the grave. How did it go? Um, it was a really um, interesting topic this one, I really loved it. Because uh, it was one that was um, recommended to us to speak about by a revert brother as well. So it was a really insightful topic. Um, one that I didn't have the most knowledge on, so we kind of took a step back on Brother Walid took charge of that one so may Allah reward him uh, that one really went really nicely we kind of had a few hiccups here and there but it was more of a learning curve of this episode it was an interesting one in a sense how we will go about things in the future I told you about some of the stuff that happened mm-hmm. that we'll try to improve of course. but I feel like with this one inshallah is more of a learning curve on how to go about topics that require a little bit more knowledge because at the end of the day we are laymans we are students uh, we're not knowledgeable we're trying to help others, you know, uh, help others benefit. We don't have the most knowledge, we don't have all the knowledge. But for this one, we are trying to, inshallah, for the topics that brothers do want, that require more knowledge, we might bring in a brother that does have the knowledge for it, and where we will sit back and listen more than having to give our inputs on a matter that we don't know of. But I think, yeah, it was an interesting one. One that... Needed to happen for us to make certain improvements, mm. inshallah. Yeah. Regardless of the hiccups, I hope you lots enjoyed this episode. Today we will be talking about the life of the grave and how we can prepare ourselves. And if we uh, have time, uh, we can possibly address some misconceptions, inshallah. Sure. Yeah, so I'll go into it. And it won't just be on the punishments of the grave, but I'm going like, to talk about other aspects of the grave as well. So inshallah, I'll start now. So the very first stage to the akhirah. The grave is the very first stage. When a person dies, his soul departs from his body and is placed in the grave, as we all know. And this is the first stage to the hereafter. There was a hadith where uh, Uthman ibn Affan stood by a grave, grave and wept. It was said to him, you remember Jannah and Jahannam, but you do not weep, but you weep because of this. He said that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu said, the grave is the first stage of the hereafter. Whoever is saved from it, whatever comes after it, it will be easier for him. But if he is not saved from it, whatever comes after will be worse for him. And then the message of Allah said, I have never seen any scene, but the grave is more frightening than it. So this should, you know, go deep into our heart and so we can feel the true essence of, you know, the reckoning of the grave. <clears throat> so let's move on to the questions in the grave. So it is known to the majority of Muslims that the questions in the Assalamu alaikum bro how are you guys Yeah Sorry welcome Just want to reiterate Jamal Shafiq feel free to have any inputs inshallah if there's any questions anyone any questions as well go with the flow inshallah ask the questions don't feel the need to wait afterwards, inshallah. Okay, yalla. Uh, um, we just started with the yeah. grave, inshallah. Yeah. And uh, Walid uh, is going to highlight the questions that you will be asked in the grave, inshallah. The righteous and what the evildoer will be asked. Yeah, <clears throat> before we dive into the actual details of mm-hmm. what's going to be asked and what's going to happen after we pass away, I just wanted to say to the people listening, kind of from the point that you made earlier, that if I was to ask. Everyone who's listening to this right now, and everyone in this room right now, what do you know about your home? What do you know about your home? 
I'm not talking about the house that you're going to go to today, mm. to sleep, to eat, to wake up where you, your bedroom is. I'm speaking about your eternal home, the place where you're going to go after the 80, 70, however much years you're going to live in this world. If I was to ask that question, what can you tell me back about your, your home? The place where you'll be resting for the rest of your life until the day of judgment. In Arabic, it's called Qabr. What do you know about the Qabr? Some of you can tell me, yeah, I know that you're gonna get punished, or you're gonna be, you're gonna be comfortable if you're good, and you're gonna get punished for bad. That's all we know. So the reason why we're doing this today is for, is to tell you guys and inform us all of how we can avoid those punishments that we all know we're gonna get, and how to do good to be instead of have hell inside of our um, graves, to have Jannah, inshallah. In our graves, in our eternal homes. Inshallah, yeah, that is what we want to highlight. We don't want to just give everybody a little scare of what comes, but at the end of the day, you can't hide from the from death. Mm. And we all know the term: death does not discriminate. You know, medical mode, the angel of death. When the time comes, the time comes. So, inshallah, why we have gathered here, inshallah, is just like always, bring benefit, bring goodness. Whoever listens, whoever benefits, alhamdulillah. And a gathering that the, uh, Allah's name is mentioned and brings you goodness, not the angels mention your names as well in gatherings. Mm. Uh, we want to do things that benefit you, inshallah, in this akhirah, where the time where nothing can benefit you except the dua of those outside and the charity that certain charities, for example, building a mosque, whoever still prays within that mosque. For example, charities such as that, that can still bring you goodness in a time where all you rely on is others at that time. We want to do as much as we can until that time. How to go about it, how can we possibly make that journey as easy as possible from the Qabr to the Day of Judgment, inshaAllah. And once you understand the details of what will happen once you leave this dunya, this temporary dunya, your actions will reflect that. If you're conscious of what may happen for you to do something that's wrong and you know the punishment for it, that will lead to you doing either good or bad. Personally speaking, the main thing that helps me overcome some worldly struggles or worldly desires is the thought of Jahannam, the thought of heaven. When you go to heaven, there's, which we'll go into inshallah soon, there are many, many aspects of things that you would want in this world, but it's a hundred times greater and better in Jannah. Same way, if you want to avoid going to Jahannam, hell, just don't give in to your desires. So inshallah, we will start by the questions that will be asked of us once we're in that stage. Inshallah. So with that? So um, the questions in the grave. So obviously all of us Muslims know that we will be questioned in the grave. So who can tell me what questions will be asked? Like, you know. Just on the top of your head, does anyone know? Uh, who your yeah, um, you know, Lord just, is, mm-hmm. who your prophet was, and yeah, yeah, yeah that's what your religion is, and who your prophet was. How many and books do you believe in? Oh, yeah. How many yeah. books do you believe in? Some scholars have said uh, that's seven. one question. Three. Some have said it's three, four, four, four. Some have said it's one, three, four, two. It's a dispute amongst scholars. Mm. Most authentic. We'll get onto that. Mainly thing. revolving around believing in one God mm-hmm. and believing in the Prophet and, and his uh, last book. Yeah. Yeah. So now it's easy for you. If I ask you what is a religion, you will say Islam. Yeah. 
if asked who was the last messenger and prophet, you would say Muhammad sallam. But mm. what people don't realize is in your grave, your mouth won't be speaking. It's your heart which will be speaking. Mm. And whatever you do in this world will be a reflection. Uh, it will be a reflection of what you did in this world. Because as someone said, I can't remember who, but someone said that your actions are a direct result of what is in your heart. So always have pure intentions, you know, pure actions. Obviously, none of us are uh, pure, obviously pure, we're all sinners, but we can at least try to attain that level, you know, of high, uh, righteousness. Um, the Prophet said, um, all children of Adam, all, said all uh, children of Adam are wrongdoers, and the best of the wrongdoers are the repenters. 100%. Um, but just going on to your one as well, like where it's not you that's speaking, it's your heart. Uh, SubhanAllah, this world is going to be easy for the hypocrite to get through. Mm. Because not many people, no one can read your heart, no one can read your intentions, but Allah. So it's why when it comes to the question of the grave, your mouth in this world can say, ah, oh, when that question is asked, I'll say Islam, I'll say Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you know. But little do we know is, the response will most likely be is, I don't know, I did what others did. I say what others said. Because a hypocrite only mm. did it, did what others did and did what others say for the sake of what others will say about him. Uh, if you can continue. Okay. So now I won't go into much detail about, you know, the questions. It's the whole topic of this, like, you know, I mean, the whole topic is on punishments. So it's just start up to that. So the for the righteous person, the believer, the righteous person, the angels will come to him with white faces when he dies. You know, white faces, pure. And But to the evildoer, angels will come with dark faces. And this is and from the... Yeah, very strange. So it was narrated from Aisha. That the Prophet Muhammad used to say, Oh Allah, I seek refuge from you from laziness and old age, and from debts and sins, from the torment of the fire and the tribulations of the fire, and from the tribulation of the grave and the torment of the grave, and from the evil of the tribulation of wealth, and from the evil of tribulation of poverty, and from the evil of the tribulation of, uh, of the Dajjal, Antichrist. And O oh Allah, wash away my sins with water of snow and hail, clean and cleanse my heart from sin as a white garment is cleansed from filth and put a great distance between me and my sins as great as the distance you have made between the east and the west this is in Bukhari and it's authentic now Ibn Hajar was uh, said Rahimullah that the you know the phrase the tribulations of the grave that's mentioned in hadith this means the questioning of the two angels and the angels when they ask you questions they will ask you questions in regards to what Tawheed, which is pure monotheism, and Aqidah, which is your belief, one's belief. What's monotheism and uh, belief? So Aqidah is like what your belief is, you know, like mm -hmm. your foundations, your principle. And your monotheism? Tawheed is believing in monotheism, in believing oneness. in the oneness of Allah. Sure. You know, so obviously not attributing anything to him. Yeah, just for, you know, clear just for, for anybody. Yeah. So just quickly, before we dive into the punishments for the believer, I'm not going to read the whole hadith because hadith, it's really long, but this is an authentic hadith. If anyone who's listening wants to check it out, it's by Abu Dawud in 4753 and it's authenticated by uh, Sheikh al-Bani. Now, um, when the angels come, they will say, who is your Lord? He will say, Allah. They say, what is your religion? He says, my religion is Islam. They say, who is this man who sent, uh, who was sent among you? They will say, he, I mean, sorry, he will say that he's a messenger of Allah. They say, oh. what did you do? The fourth question. You were right. And he says, I read the book of Allah and I believed in it. Then a voice from Jannah arrives. And he says, 
My slave has spoken the truth. So, so prepare him a bed from paradise and clothe him uh, uh, from paradise and open for him a gate to paradise. Then I won't dive in, into too much detail, but at the end of the day, he, uh, the gates of Jannah will be opened for him. But for the disbeliever, when he is asked, when the soul is returned to his body and the angels come and they make him sit up, by the way, the angels will make you sit up in your grave. Mm. We don't know the, you know, the nature of how will that be. Only Allah but knows. Allah it Allah. won't be a smooth ride either. Mm -hmm. When they come from the very beginning, they'll mm -hmm. grab you tight. They'll sit you up. That's the kind of description because you're in an interrogation, if you will. It's um, not like a... Yeah. When someone dies, when they, get, when they go in their grave, uh, the Prophet the ground uh, or the sand um, hugs him. Mm -hmm. um, squeezes for him. Yeah, squeezes him. If, um, if for the believer, it's gonna be more of a loving uh, squeeze, a loving hug. But for the disbeliever, it's gonna be more of a tor uh, torturous um, hug. After that. Um, he is sleeping in his grave and then he wakes up to the sounds of the, the feet of mm. the two angels coming to him um, and they sit, they sit him, they make him sit and they start asking him the questions that's yeah. mainly uh, that part of the grave mm -hmm. so that is for the disbeliever when his soul is returned to his body so the angels are asking who is your Lord? He will say, oh, I don't know. Even though he might have known in this dunya, but because of his you know, evil deeds and how evil and corrupt that person was a hypocrite, he won't be able to answer it because his heart will speak on that day. And then he will say, I don't know. Then they will say, what is your religion? He says, I don't know. Then a voice calls out from heaven, say, prepare him a bed from hell and clothe him from hell and open for him a gate to hell. And then he is destined for hell. And people have these misconceptions that Muslims can't go to hell. Of course you can you can't go to her it depends on the person how how much they have like you know wrong done other people how evil they were and if the good deeds are less than the bad deeds the, the, the perception that perception is not mainly that muslims will not go to hell it's mainly that muslims will not stay in hell any muslim hmm. true muslim will oh not yeah, of stay course in yeah no true, true believer will be staying in hell for all eternity yeah. but i'm just saying that no, no, yeah there is that misconception mm. that for a muslim it's either Heaven or hell. Yeah. Like if you were the hypocrite, that's it, you're gone. And if you were so the believer, people, that's it, yeah. you stay. So people but believe no. as long as you were Muslim, oh, I just say, like, then I'm a Muslim and then the, I can go to hell. I was just watching the, something from a sheikh, the, a video from a sheikh that said, the Prophet said, um, the Prophet said, the, the monophic and kafir, the hypocrite and the disbeliever, did not say the dis disobedient Muslim. So the Muslims will, will not end, will not. Stay in hell. That's the main point. It's not, uh, but some Muslims um, will have hell in their grave. Yeah. Uh, as a, a cleansing before, so that they can meet Allah yeah. mm -hmm. without any wrongs, without without any sins mm -hmm. on the day of judgment. If I'm not mistaken, what you said, hell has seven layers of. Yes, it does. Mm, just as heaven has seven layers. How what you what wrongs you have done in the world, etc. And then you will go in one of the layers. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Now, yeah. Javins, yeah. This one, yeah. Um, it's just like because I've had that conception. Certain people, I can't let even myself before I can. We have these kind of halakhas and stuff where we do the research, some research behind, uh, beforehand. Uh, I used to think, if we're Muslims and we believed, then how can we go hell? 
Like, if we've got made it to hell, then surely we're not going to make it out. But, you know, at the end of the day, a Muslim, that's their cleansing before they enter Jannah. You know, we've all heard the story about the hadith behind, uh, about the last man that enters Jannah. You know, like, it's just, a, it's a cleansing, but it's not just a cleansing, if you know what I mean. Like, because saying it's just a cleansing kind of takes away from the actual, you know, the hardship of it. That will be, it's not just purely a cleansing, it will be very hard. For believers to go through it, of course, for anybody to go through it. But in a day, how you lived your life, justice will be served in the akhirah until you've made it through, inshallah, which we will do. A big misconception, like you said, is that Muslims, will they stay or will they go to Jahannam? Mm. However, another misconception that amongst people or questions from non Muslims that I've come across a lot is that the good people that are not Muslim in this world. What happens to them with all their good deeds? They give charity. They're peaceful. They they've got family. They they give to the poor. They do all sorts of stuff. They open the door for people. All their good deeds. What happens to their good deeds? To non-Muslims. Why don't they go to Jannah because of their good deeds in this world? They don't kill. They don't do drugs. All these other stuff. Like they're just normal civilians. But why don't they get Jannah like Muslims? It's simple. It's because if you're, not, if you're not a Muslim, when you do good, without you knowing, Allah will give, will repay you for the good you done in this world, in this world. Mm. Which is why our non-Muslim counterparts, or people around us, they get higher jobs. They've got a better house. They've got a better wife. They've got less problems in this life. That's because all the good deeds, they're getting repaid today, tomorrow, next year, in 10 years, in their lifetime. They live a long life, happy life. They get a pension. They relax another 10 years. 70 to 80, they passed away, and everyone was said they had such a peaceful, successful life. Meanwhile, even though they wasn't Muslim, yeah. whereas us Muslims, Wallahi, Muslims, nowadays, today, what's going on? What's happening around the world? I'm not going to mention anything. That's, that, that's, that's just a big, that's a big part. Mm. Individually speaking, Muslims, they go through a lot of stuff. They feel left out sometimes. Mm. They feel like what they're doing is not going with the culture of the society. 100%. But however, we need to understand, because you raised the point of what happens to Muslims who go to Jahannam? Mm. We to understand that Muslims, when you do good in this world, we do it for Allah. We do it so we can get good deeds. When you open the door for someone and you turn around and say, why not say thank you? When that person says thank you, your good deed is gone. Could you expect it a thank you? When you do it for Allah, you do it for Allah's sake. When you give to the poor, you don't give to the poor so the poor can say thank, thank you very much. You don't give to the poor, if take a video on YouTube and so Twitter and Instagram you know, and your followers can see. If your satisfaction is the people's mm. thank you and the people's uh, gratitude, upward, gratitude, then, then you will not get your basis is flawed. The eternal happiness, yeah. the eternal reward, and which is Jannah. One of the best uh, deeds you can do is charity in, uh, mm. in silence or in... Mm. The, the hadith so that this your left hand doesn't know Do charity, do good with your right hand As if your left hand doesn't know <clears throat> This is not to put down the brothers that are going to give charity And posting online Some of them, their intentions are clear It's just, to, it's just to show that there's people struggling yeah. mm. It's just to show that there are so much things you can do Without you knowing it's available for you to be able to do Buying a bag and going to give it to a homeless person I'm not trying to say everyone that videos it is corrupt My point is When you do good in this world And you don't get good back Or you're going through a lot of stuff in this life Just remember that the eternal reward and happiness is waiting for you, inshallah. Inshallah. To, uh, to add on what you were talking about in the beginning, um, the Muslim, uh, the good, um, the non-Muslim, good doer, uh, and the bad doers. Um, 
the first the non-Muslims um, who were with the Prophet, there was an example of a guy. Uh, there was an example. Um, a man ha was giving charity, I think, um, or he was helping out um, people with with it from himself. And the Prophet, um, when the people asked him about about this person, he's not a Muslim and he's doing this. Or um, the Prophet, the Prophet also added that um, his manners are manners of Muslims, but what he did or uh, what he does is the, because of shaitan fi nafsu, something for himself. Yeah, his own not, um, not for anything else. Not for he is expecting the return and he's expecting for people to think higher of him. Um, but mainly regarding the non-Muslims in the, that haven't seen the Prophet, um, some scholars have said that some scholars have said that on the day of judgment they will be uh, tested, um, and some but. Some scholars have said that they will be uh, tested and they, Allah will send them an ayah in this world. Um, but the main point to get from this is Allah is Arham al Rahimin, the most merciful uh, uh, of the merciful. So no no soul will be uh, treated unjustly. 100%. Um, but the Muslims, uh, sorry, the believers, Allah said that whoever does good, while he is believing in Allah, he should not fear any uh, loss of his deeds, and we will count them and write them down. Uh, that's just about uh, the non-Muslims that, that do good. Of course. Now, yeah, well, let's get back diving on straight into the punishments of the graveyard. Now the, the now the belief of the Ahl Sunnah that the torment and punishment in the grave in the life in, uh, and life in Al Barzakh, which is the interval between uh, death and the day of judgment. Uh, day of resur resurrection, uh, and uh, yeah, they there will there will be atonement and punishment for them. So in the Quran, Allah says that the fire they are exposed to it morning and afternoon, and on the day when the hour will be established, it will be said to the angels, cause Fir'aun's people to enter the severest of uh, severest torment. In uh, Surah Fafir, uh, verse number forty-six, Allah states say that the people of Fir'aun, the Pharaoh. Uh, are exposed to the torment morning and afternoon, even though they are dead. So from this ayah, the scholars have affirmed that the torment of the grave is real. This is to those who say the torment of the grave isn't real. And Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, said that this ayah is the main basis of the belief of the Ahl Sunnah in the term, torment of Al-Barzakh, as Allah says, the fire they are exposed to morning and afternoon. A small addition to... Uh, what mm -hmm. um, to uh... Uh, further prove what you're saying yeah. for the people who don't believe in yeah. the uh, torture of the grave. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a hadith that uh, one time the Prophet was uh, passing um, with his horse yeah. uh, along with his companions, um, and while he was walking with his while he was on his horse uh, walking uh, with his horse walking, um, the horse jumped all of a sudden, um, and. The, without anybody say, saying anything, the Prophet asked, uh, are there graves here? And they said, yeah, yes, there is, uh, but the sand has covered it. And um, why the horse jumped is because animals can hear the torture of the grave. Yeah. And it's from the mercy of Allah that people cannot hear the, the torture of the grave. Um, because if we would, um, 
some people may have not even wanted to bury their so their, chi their children. Yeah, I heard that. Fearing uh, their sons getting tortured. So yeah, the so, torture of the grave is real. So according to the hadith of Aisha, uh, she said that the message, uh, message of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, is saying, "It's uh, I seek refuge in you from the torment of the grave I seek refuge in you from the tribulations of Dajjal And I seek refuge in you from the trials of life and death O oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from sin and loss It's narrated in Bukhari uh, 798 and Muslim 589 Now, what is the relevance of this? Well, it shows even the Prophet Muhammad The most perfect of us humans Compared to us, we're nothing to him Even he feared from the torment of the grave even uh, he used to seek refuge with Allah from the torment of the grave. And when you hear people say that, oh, this doesn't exist, or they don't even care about it, it just comes to show that look how high the Prophet Muhammad is in status. He's guaranteed Jannah. Obviously, we all know that he's guaranteed Jannah. But yet, even he, even though Allah said that you're going to be saved, you're going to be in Jannah, that even he still, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, well, repented. I, I believe that, that yeah. um, I think this is, this is what I have made of that hadith. Is um, it's just a small point. Yes. Is that why the Prophet said "Awwadu billah min adab al qabr" is because it's such a it's such a, a torturous uh, uh, punishment mm -hmm. because it's yeah this is it yeah yeah it's not um, possible even even when he knew that he he would probably would not have it it was just too um, <laughs> torturous and uh, scary yeah, yeah that's the point. Yeah, so we just said Alhamdulillah, that was the dua that he used to you know, make mm. in prayer. Uh, so, the torment of the grave befalls both the body and the soul, according to the most correct scholarly view. There's some people are like, oh, nothing happens to the body. Actually, yeah, the torment befalls both of the body and the soul. And this is what Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah uh, said, the view of the Salaf, who were the earlier generations, of this Ummah and its Imams is that the torment or the blessings of the grave happens to the soul of the deceased and his body. After it departs from the body, the soul continues to be blessed or punished and it is also connected to the body from time to time so that the blessings or torment befalls the body as well as the soul. So we must believe in that which Allah has told us and Allah has said this so therefore we must accept it without any question. Now, also one very mm -hmm. big point um, the time everybody spends in the grave yeah. is way more than what anybody spends on top of the ground, mm -hmm. um, and that is why um, the punishment of the grave or the bless or the reward of the grave is very important. Is because it will be way longer than yeah. the life you have on, the, on top of the earth. So let's go into the in-depth torment of the grave. So. The torment of the grave will vary according to the sins committed by the individual. So it could be from, I don't know, from simple as bad mouth, swearing, mm -hmm. etc. to killing, be murdering people. So whether he was a kafir or disobedient Muslim, he will still be punished. So there are sahih hadith which describe this torment for the people who commit these sins. Number one, being struck with an iron hammer. This is one. So the Prophet said, that when a person is placed in his grave and his companions leave him and he can no longer hear the sound of the sandals, two angels come to him. And of course, we already explained, like, you know, they will talk about the um, questions in the grave. But 
the Prophet Muhammad said that sorry, one second. Yeah. So the person when he is asked who is uh, what's it called? Um what did you say about this man Muhammad and he says, I bear bear witness that he is a slave of Allah and his messenger, then it is said Look at your place in hell, which Allah has replaced for you with a place in paradise. Then the Prophet Muhammad said, and he sees them both. But as for the kafir or hypocrite, he says, I do not know. I used to say what the people said. It is said, you do not know and you do not follow those who knew. Then he is struck uh, a blow with an iron hammer between his ears and he screams a scream, which everything around him can hear, apart from the two races and mankind of the, and the jinns. But apart from that, everyone can. You know, hear them. And this is narrating Al Bukhari 1222. Um, so, the furnishings of hellfire, well, hell. Um, it's said that once the person is, uh, you know, their soul, well, they're dead and they're in the grave, two angels will come to them and. Oh, sorry, apologies. Uh, two angels will come to him and they'll have prepared for him a sack. Clothing that is prepared for him that's of fire, and uh, when they do, when they come with him, they take his soul, and once they've taken, they don't hold it for a second. They dash it in the sack straight away. They don't want to hold something that's so impure. And a stench comes from the body, from the soul, that is like the it's that the, comes from the, the worst smell. Yeah. Ever. And uh, when it's taken up, it reaches the first gates of. Well, reaches the gates of heaven, the first tier. He won't be permitted. Mm. And as it's passing up, the angels will say, Who is this smell? What is this from? And they will call him by the names. When when they reply, the two angels, they will call him by the worst of names that he was called in this world. Yeah. And when he's not allowed into the first gates of heaven, he will be chucked all the way down back to his grave. He said. Soul is returned to his body. And there comes to him two angels who make him sit up and they say to him, Who is your Lord? He says, oh, I don't know. They say, What is your religion? He says, Oh, uh, I don't know. Then a voice calls from the heavens, Prepare for him a bed from hell, uh, from hell and clothe him from hell. And open for him a gate to hell. Then there comes to him the some of its heat and hot winds. Uh, and his grave is constricted and compresses him, like you said, Yusuf. Compresses him uh, until his ribs interlock. Then there comes to him a man with an ugly face and ugly clothes, and a foul stench who says, "Receive the bad news. This is the day that you were promised." He says, "Who are you? Your face is a face which forbids evil, forbodes evil." He says, "I am your evil deeds." He says, "O oh Lord, do not let the hour come. Do not let the hour come." And he said, "It's at this time where." Um, I'm not sure how Sahih the Hadith is. This one? Uh, no, no, that one is that one is Sahih Hadith. But um, there will be at this time where the soul will cry out to the, to those that came to visit him at the grave, to, to those that leave, don't leave, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, like don't leave me here by myself, because now now they are they're gone, they're by themselves, mm. they are all alone, and they know that. Uh, What's coming to them? And it's dark. The grave is dark. Very of course. Dark. So now number eight, being swallowed up by the earth. So it was narrated from Ibn Umar. 
that the Prophet Muhammad said, once a man was dragging his lower garment out of pride, the earth swallowed him up and he will continue sinking into the earth until the day of resurrection. So this just shows, so you've obviously heard, you know where people say that, don't put your garments below the ankles, you know, for fear of, you know, of prideness showing off. And that's why uh, there's a, the majority of scholars, the most effective scholar, scholarly opinion is that, you know, your lower garments, even though it's an issue of uh, jihad, but your lower garments should really be up above the ankle, you know. And there's many narrations that speak about this. But anyways, so if you are prideful in this dunya, if you're like full of proud, oh, look at me, look, look at me, you know, in the Gucci, flexing the Gucci clothes, you know, LV and everything. If you do that, then the earth will swallow you up. And you will continue to sink until the day of judgment. So this should go to all of those. You know, like, what's the term in secondary school? You know, Mufti Dave used to be like, dressed to impress. Mm. Mm. It'd be like, you know, to show off. Oh, kind I, of did, I did that so many times. I did it as well. <laughs> no <laughs> one's safe for me. Without pride, without pride though. Without the pride, yeah. yeah. No, mm. no one's safe for me. Even I myself have done it so many that's, times. That's one way that shaitan works. That's one way like, that shaitan works. And yeah. it's a very strong way for shaitan yes. to do his job is... You know, we all know that the, a shaitan attacks different ways yeah. from different perspectives. Yeah, of course. He's he he's been working with humans for how long? From Since the day of Adam. He knows what works. He knows you better than you know yourself, people. You know? And of course, it's his mission. It, that is what he's there to do. But this man knows it better than anybody else. And he'll attack you from a way he goes from pride. Drag your gum. Look, you see, you see the top that you're wearing. Ah, oh, it's expensive. Look after it. Flaunt it though, wear only that so others can see your see that garment. You know? Walk around it in in a gathering where nobody else can wear what you wear, so that you look like you got the the best clothing. You got you got you got money. But nobody else has got this. Just to prevent misunderstanding on that point, um there's a hadith about wearing good clothes not being bad, not yeah. being uh, uh, seen as uh, from pride. Um, a man uh, went to the Prophet وسلم, and asked him, uh, I like to wear good clothes, I like to wear the best clothes I have. Is that um, pride for me? Is that arrogance for me? Arrogance. Mm. Um, he said, No, um, let, let your uh, wealth be seen on mm. what you wear. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah I had that one. Um, so, yeah, 100%. I was like, going to say, as doesn't mean wearing Gucci or LV yeah. or anything, so Haram sure, obviously yeah. is it. <laughs> but it's, being, it's, it's about but being it's, it's about your intentions, you know. Like if you're going to brag off about it. Oh, look at me, I've got this, I've got that. Hmm? 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 Okay. Yeah. Means like, if, like rappers, they always brag about clothes. About yeah, things, so you know, that is yeah. like a good example, Envy, yeah. So let's move on to like uh, the other points. I'm just going to quickly go over the next three points. Just going to say what they are. The other things which have been evaded is that the edge of the mouth being torn to the back of the head. Second, uh, the tenth one, the head being smashed with a rock. Eleventh one, being burnt in an oven. Now, I don't know the nature of this oven. It's not like the <laughs> oven you've got in your house, you know. It's a different kind of oven, we don't know. And uh, swimming in a river of blood whilst being pelted with stones. Now, inshallah, now this evidence is so long, it takes two pages. Okay, that, that is uh, swimming in a river of blood. Oh, okay. Do you want to mention that? 
Um, I think we've spent quite a lot yeah, on that. We want to go on to uh, how to prevent yourself and protect yourself. So, okay, so yeah. Yeah. Um, everybody. Uh, just because uh, some people actually don't like this topic and uh, a friend here was also saying that uh, he would get nightmares after uh, hearing this topic. Uh, <laughs> Ayat al-Kursi is, a, um, is an ayah that protects oh, you yes. from, uh, from, from, from nightmares. Yeah, protects Warning. you from nightmares. Yeah. Or from so nightmares. how can you be protected from the grave? Now let's move on to protection of the grave. How can we prepare ourselves? So first let's talk about how we can prepare ourselves before the protection, you know, seeking protection from the grave. How to prepare yourself? Now, believing, you know, following the five pillars of Islam, as all mm. Muslims should do, mm-hmm. you know, believing that there is one, one God, one Allah, one Allah, you know, and um, not associating partners with Him, believing in pure monotheism, Tawheed. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna correct Aqidah. That is, this is so. I can't stress it enough. If your Aqidah is not correct, because at the end of the day, there's so many, you know. Uh, denominations of Islam, you've got like 72, 73 or 72? Yeah, 73 uh, denominations, but only one will go to Jannah. And when they're prophet, yeah. they're, when, and uh, people actually don't know, don't know what the next generation is. The generation after that is that uh, um, uh, the, when the companions ask him, who will these be? The, he said, those who follow my sunnah and who follow my companions, who follow the way of the salaf. And this is where the term Salafiya derives from, mm-hmm. you know, this is where it derives from. So those who follow the companions, the you know, the first three generations, because there's another narration that the first three generations will be protected, mm-hmm. you know, from innovation, bid'ah, that's what it is. And then everything that comes after that will be, you know, bid'ah and all this stuff. So yeah, the first three generations will be protected. So you should follow the early predecessors. If someone says anything, be like, okay, mate, where did you get this from? If they be like, okay, I just heard it from my... Mashif. I just heard it from this person. I just heard it from that person. Or be like, okay, I can't accept that unless there's evidence from the Prophet Muhammad himself or the early right. predecessors. Because they knew better. There was a, we are nothing compared to them. They knew more than us. And the Prophet Muhammad was the most perfect of mankind. Mm-hmm. You know, he was walking talking Quran. So yeah, yeah. he implemented. Absolutely, it. he implemented. The Sahaba implemented yeah. it. You know, okay. like Abu Bakr. Um, just before we continue For this part inshallah on how Because it would be a nice way for To come to an end Which mm-hmm. isn't a short end by any means A good way for us to go about it inshallah Is we'll pass the microphone yeah. around And you you tell us You tell everybody else How you think We could inshallah protect ourselves of How course. do you think Would be a good way to go about it Protecting so, By the way Aqidah meaning Your your belief mm-hmm. um, Inshallah Now I've said my part Or what I think should You know protect you from the if you go Grave So salah I'm Walid, by the way, if anyone doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> so what, just like a reminder or what? Just what do just, you yeah, think, what do you, what think do you believe like, to um, be a good way? How to prepare ourselves. Yeah. Way? What do you believe to be a good way to prepare yourselves for the akhirah? For the grave, akhira, sorry. Akhira, akhira. For the grave. Yeah. Oh, it's all an end. I think for us, it's, um, it's important to have like constant dhikr. Um, yeah. And that's in everything we do. So, for example... Um, you know, let's say you know you 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 know you wake up, you go to uni, you know you set an exam or whatever, you get results. When you, when it's a good result, you say Alhamdulillah, you say Allahu Akbar. You hear something you know that's not so good, you can say Subhanallah. Do you know what I'm saying? So, like constant dhikr of Allah, um, and don't make it like specific for only you know big things that happen. Make it like a, a daily part of your life. Absolutely. Because that way you're remembering Allah and you remember where you end up as well. 
think like that's the way I think for me. Well, what I think in terms of the general principle of protecting yourself from God's punishment is obviously having following the sunnah of Prophet Sunnah and loving him in the sense that you have so if and one way to because obviously one way that we need to get protected from a, from Allah's punishment is obviously on the day of judgment the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi will um, intercede for us on the day of judgment mm. and he will ask Allah all of the Prophet's messengers will not be able to intercede and and only the Prophet Sallallahu intercession will get us and not everyone will be included in the intercession so for us to be included in the intercession we need to send the Lord and Salatul Salam to, to on him and say the rule Sharif has many times on a Friday, for example, or after Asr or and after Fajr the golden hour. to and send salutation and peace and blessings so that and say sincerely from your heart so that he and if that is the case and you say it sincerely from the heart then we will be included within the session and we'll go into general hundred percent. First of all it's being really fair and brave. so many ideas what to say that it will probably last like 20 minutes <laughs> but shortly uh, I think even before like I started praying and reading Quran and everything I've been taught just when I'm doing something say Bismillah so whenever I remember I was delivering food on the bike and I'm going in the tunnel I'll just do Bismillah Bismillah and that's literally the smallest thing you can do just to remember Allah and that he protects you here on the earth and then later in the grave So to give a small summary, um, from what I know, um, the angel of death does not knock on anybody's door. 
the, he does not wait for your permission to enter. He comes at any uh, at the time at which Allah has written for you. Um, and the angel, when in the Quran, it's written that um, when the when the angel of death approaches the disbelievers, um, they say "Assalamu alaikum" from fear. They say "Assalam," we want peace. Um, we did not used to do evil. Um, and Allah says, the, We are more knowledgeable of what you used to do. Um, Allah in this world, for example, to give an example from charity, uh, Allah wants you um, to just give small amounts from what you have at the, in the world. Um, not, not much. He said, uh, from what um, you love. Um, a guy called Ibn Sa'd, Ibn Mas'ud, Ibn Sa'd, um, uh, used to love sugar. He did not make charity except with sugar. Um, but the main point with this is the people who did, who did not do these good deeds, who did not give charity, um, when they come to Allah on the Day of Judgment, they say, uh, return me and I will give up everything I have. And Allah will say, um, or it is said that that person could have just given a small amount um, except, and he did not have to give everything. But that's it. The time was up. Um, another point. The Prophet said uh, to live as a stranger in this world. Uh, live as a stranger and pass as a stranger in this world. This is a passing point, a bridge. Um, and uh, to end this summary is um, a hadith that uh, said that the Prophet وسلم, at the time of the grave, when somebody is put in the grave, um, when somebody is put in the grave, his friends leave. When his friends leave, Allah says, uh, they have left you. Uh, and if they stayed, they would not benefit you. And uh, here is you and me, and I am the ever living that does not die. I love how you speak with your hands. <laughs> I just probably missed the work for you to do it. This is an important part, actually. This is like a practical uh, uh, example of what you can do uh, to help yourself in the grave um, is by saying, is by Saying Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Nabina Muhammad. Um, there was a hadith about a woman who used to clean uh, the mosque at uh, the time at uh, the time of the Prophet. Um, she was a dark woman, and when and she died, she and when she died, nobody told the Prophet. They did not want to uh, bother him. So when he realized, uh, he missed her. So he said, "Where is this woman?" They said. Um, she has passed away, but we did not want to bother you. So he uh, he got angry at them and uh, said, no, you should not have done that. Um, so he went to visit her grave and he said that those graves are dark. Um, those graves are full of darkness and they are getting um, light from my salah on them. So Allah said that if you... Uh, 
uh, do salah on the pro on the prophet one time he will um, return it to you 10 times so that's a, that's what you should do because we do, Allah has um, instead of um, the time of the <coughs> he replaced uh, since since the prophet is not here with us now Allah said uh, <laughs> Um, so that you may receive that same light that the Prophet was giving to uh, the people of the grave. Yeah. Um, that's my part. Um, I was just going to say that know yourself before you know your religion and stuff. <coughs> it's important because some brothers, they'll claim that they're Muslim, this, that, this, that. So like people around them, but then go behind them and do other things. So I was just saying, like, know yourself. Know your religion, know what's your worth, and just yeah, pray. Do the foundations, yeah. yeah. Do the foundations. <coughs> so, um, I was gonna say, like, like we all know that shaitan's our biggest enemy yeah. in this life, and at all times, especially when you're by yourself, when you're on your ones, just say, <coughs> like, "Aidu billahi min shaitan rajeem," and as soon as you say that. Like the devil runs away, mm. so and like furthermore, I was gonna say, make sure your friends are like, mm. or your friends that guide you in deen and stuff. Cause mm. more times, if that person is doing like the thing there, where the things where he shouldn't be doing, then you're more likely to be on as well. Cause Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him said, he said, if your friends doing, if your friends on deen. He says something within those lines. If your friend's on Dean, you're more likely going to be on Dean as well. If your friend's going to be doing like, if he's doing things that he shouldn't be doing, you're you're more likely going to be doing the things as well. So, and when you're just by yourself, just just keep and remind yourself that this life is just a test, and we're, we're all here for a reason. God, I love how these cups and cans yeah. were such an issue today. Um, so, salam alaikum, guys. Um, first of all, I'd like to just go literally around everyone's because this will be a big summary on like everything, and inshallah, we'll end everything with a few misconceptions. Yeah. Uh, Salah's said dhikr, which is constant praise, constant reminder. Constant praise is a reminder. For example, when we're fasting, like we we try to keep reminding ourselves as much as we can. The fact you're fasting, so that you're constantly conscious of the fact you're, uh, you're fasting, so that nothing could possibly break your fast. It's the exact same when it comes to the concept of Allah. Like, remind yourself of His existence. Remind yourself of things. Necessarily, what reminds me and brings me closer to Allah will not be the same. So, what Shafiq said, know yourself. Definitely, learn what is it that drives you. I know people that the fear of Allah's wrath scares them, so they wish not to know of the wrath. But they wish to focus on his mercy. If what drives you closer towards Allah is his mercy, then focus on his mercy and keep reminding him of uh, uh, yourself of your mercy. If, and then Hamza, you said being genuine in your intentions. If when you're making dhikr, when you're sending salawat upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, just like as we say sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, may peace be upon him, just as you finish your, you, you're doing your salah, you say, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, may, may you have uh, peace and blessings upon the family of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and him, himself, and his other companions as well, like uh, Ibrahim alayhi wa sallam, uh, and his family as well. You're sending salams and you're sending your peace. Just as you do that, 
your that's why your intention should be clean in your prayer that's why your speech uh, should re- really reflect as Walid said should really reflect your heart you said being genuine genuine in your intentions when you're making dhikr and everything being being genuine in your intentions is the basis for everything you know did you guys hear about the hadith of the man that was on his way to repent you know he was a murderer 99 uh, souls uh, yeah. yeah and then he uh, he killed his hundred I believe or um a man who had killed 99 souls and went to somebody and asked him and asked him and the guy said no Allah and never you know to yeah. 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 and, and asked him um, uh, how can I repent he said uh, um, he said I don't know so he killed him and he completed the whole no, he said that you can't after killing 99 people you're doomed yeah. to suffer so, yeah. and then he said he and then he said so there's no point in you living there I could just kill you yeah. make it 100 and he killed him yeah. and then he went to a different priest and a different priest said well you need to turn over a new leaf Go to the next city. Yeah, then, leave, next leave, leave your people. Yeah. They are people of Bab. Yeah. Um, and he and died on go, the way. Go to the good people. Yeah. He, and then he dies on the way. And then it was said that he died like halfway between. But he was a little no, bit no, closer he, to the Bata. Yeah. And so Allah ordered, like when the angels measured it, <coughs> Allah, I think Allah, Allah told him to measure it again. It was, um, before he, it was found out there was half, uh, the two angels came down. Yeah, wanted to take him to yeah. hell, wanted to take him to heaven, yeah. and, they were and they were debating where he was going. And they went up to Allah to ask, and there's a measure if he's above halfway, then he goes to heaven. This is one, one long major hadith about yeah. the mercy of Allah. <coughs> yeah, he yeah. Moved the yeah exactly. So he moved it, and then it wasn't actually halfway, but then he moved it so that he was halfway, yeah. and then he was actually risen up to heaven. Yeah, subhanAllah. Yeah. So, uh, purely because his intention was to start a new leaf, like. <coughs> When your intention is clean, everything else will follow suit, inshallah, whether it be this world or the akhirah. So that was a beautiful point as well. You said, uh, well, I forgot your name again, Professor. Abdul Salam. Abdul Salam said, repentance. You know, Allah loves the man that repents. Allah loves the believer that repents. When you repent, you're asking Allah for his mercy. Bearing in mind, we only got 1% of his mercy available to us in this world. 99% of it is saved for the akhirah, the day of judgment. So can repentance you, is the difference between forgiveness and repentance, please. Repentance is when you you have sinned and you ask Allah for repentance. What would you say forgiveness is? So I'd say repentance is essentially when you say you you're not going to go back into that sin. Mm. You're, not, you're you're making a promise essentially. Mm. That you yeah. Cannot go back on that mis mm. that misdeed that you did, and to always like correct yourself. But forgiveness and say, God forgive me. But then there's no the difference between repentance and forgiveness is you don't yeah. make the intention to change. That's why repentance is more or less more important. Is what we look at yeah, for when you delve deeper. Forgiveness. Yeah, That's when you delve deeper, um, people confuse it too. Actually, yeah, when you delve deeper, I you obviously want to focus on a hadith that says "Subhanallah," which means a smart repentance. So repentance, set yourself up to not make the same mistake again. Yeah, yeah. like make a promise to not make that mistake again. Of course. Um. So yeah, a beautiful point made was repentance because repentance itself could be a whole. A whole podcast, a whole lecture. Yeah. Um, but that was a beautiful point. And then next is remembrance of death uh, by Saifu, who seems to be blowing kisses to Salah. That's beautiful <laughs> and romantic. So, um, remembrance of death. And the found, uh, first of all, yeah, remembrance of death. The fact that when you visit the graves, th- what does that remind you of? Does it not recompense your goals when you visit the uh, visit the graves? The Prophet said, "Visit the grave. It reminds you of uh, the akhirah." Oh yeah, it reminds of the akhirah. Of course, that's why it reminds you. Abu Huraira as well. You know, you have people that you, when you want to recompense yourself, when you feel like you're getting too attached, go visit your home. Go visit your home, which is the grave. Where else are you going to end up? Of course. The mansion that you lived in, are you going to be buried in that? 
at the end of the day, Somebody your body, your body will will decompose. Even if you get buried, even if you literally rot in that house, what's the idea? You will rot. You will decompose. You'll be nothing but nothing, nothingness. That's it. You're finished. Go visit your real home. Go visit the the graves and realize where your end on, will be. On the day the the kafir uh, says, "I wish I, I was dust. I wish I could be dust." Yeah. Foundations of salah. You know that's one of our pillars for a reason. Subhanallah, these days has become so not rare, I'd say, but it's seen as a bonus if somebody prays the five. <clears throat> Subhanallah, it's a bonus to complete your five pillars. The foundations of your belief has become a bonus. So, of course, your salah, you should clean your intentions. Make sure that if you feel like, by the way, your intentions become becoming corrupt, it's down to you and for you to control. If you feel like, if I feel like praying in the prayer room, for example, just so that the brothers could see me, could possibly taint my intentions, stay clear of it for a while. Even if it's the house of Allah, stay clear of it for a while if you feel like your intention is going to, uh, is going bad. Because, yeah, because you're doing it for impressed people. Do what's good for your intentions, because without your intentions, your Ramadan fast and anything else could possibly be flawed, because why you haven't done it for the sake of Allah? You know? And, Bismillah, Fran said, like, you know, start everything in the name of Allah. Start everything without reminder of Allah. And of course, Whenever, whenever you've missed a salah, for example, you want to I, I say, for example, I haven't prayed Isha, and I'm late, I, I'm tired, and you remember Allah, you remember punishment of the grave. I literally last night I was so late and I didn't want to pray. I was so tired. I was extremely tired, but I remembered what the next episode will be, punishment of the grave. And do I really want to uh, hearing Abu Uthman uh, sorry Umar who his death was when he died he was he was about to lead the prayer and he was stabbed and he's like he's coming out of consciousness and unconsciousness and he's saying is it, is it the time for prayer and he goes and they go yeah and he's trying to get up to pray subhanallah how like that's the importance of a salah mm. how could we possibly focus on anything else when we don't even remind ourselves if you don't remind yourselves of the of your belief of wh why you're here why you even uh, in this religion because even if you were born a muslim you have to know about your religion it's, it's your it's your duty uh yusuf you made a, a lot of beautiful points jazakallah khair uh and that part about when the one that you know he asks can i just go back for one second i would do anything i would pray i would die in sujood what you died upon then is what you would have died upon if you'd have lived a hundred years allah knows there is no uh, a brother said I'm not sure. There is no such thing as a premature death. There is no such thing. Your time comes when it comes. How it comes about is a question that you could delve into as much as you want, but you've reached your destination. A to B, you're there. How you reached it, does it really matter? You know? A very important point about Salah, about uh, liking Salah, mm. is uh, putting the main goal as getting Khushua and Salah. Because if you yeah. get Khushua and Salah, you will like Salah and you will not stop it. Khushu'a is? Yeah, it's yeah, basically like Allah says, when, um, yeah. And those who think, think here means know that they are actually in a meeting with Allah. That Allah is looking at them. Yeah. Uh, because the Prophet said that Allah looks at the, uh, at the slave when he prays. Yeah. Like imagine Allah looking at you uh, and saying the Fatiha. When you're reading the Fatha, this is Allah's words. Yeah, Allah's yeah half of it is His words and half of it is the new speaking to Allah. Yeah. 
of Fatiha. In the sujood, in the dua, whatever you say, Subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's you to Allah. And in your dua, in sujood, these are the most, the best place you can make a dua is during sujood. And that's your talk to Allah. When you want Allah to talk to you, read the Quran. That's your conversation, that's your talk. When you want Allah to talk to you, read the Quran. And you want to talk to Allah, you pray. Wrapping up, being a stranger, inshaAllah, 100%. Live your life as a stranger because this world, don't get attached to it. So, inshaAllah, with that, let's just wrap up with a few misconceptions by Walid, inshaAllah. So, just... I'm not going to make this too deep, probably five minutes or so. So, like, the first misconception is that the dead can hear us. No, the dead can't hear us. Um, Allah says, but you cannot make those who hear, uh, those, sorry, not hear, hear. but you cannot make hear those who are in the graves. In Surah 35, chapter, uh, verse 22. So, Reverend, you, O Muhammad, cannot make the dead to hear. Yeah, so the next misconception is that the Prophet Muhammad is alive in the worldly sense. Now, when I say alive in the worldly sense, I mean inside his grave, like us. Sure, his body is not going to decompose. It won't, because his body is safe. But can he actually hear us? Can he actually know what's going on in the world? The answer is no. Because Allah says, sorry, bear with me, please. And we... And we granted not to any human being immortality before you, O Muhammad. Then if you die, would they live forever? In Surah Anbiya, verse 34. Whatsoever is on it, the earth will perish, and the face of your Lord, full of majesty and honor, will remain forever. In Surah Rahman, uh, verse 26-27. And then Allah says in Al-Zumar, verse 30, that verily you, O Muhammad, will die, and verily they too will die. So this shows that Obviously, Muhammad yeah. the prophets in nothing. I mean, sorry, we're nothing compared to them. That's absolutely. There's no doubt about that. But the verses that indicate that Allah calls him to die, Muhammad and therefore he's not alive like us. Yes, he's alive in the sense of like you know in the life of Al Barza. Now, last the last misconception is exaggerating the graves of the righteous people, and uh, who become idols. In a sense, now I have seen this a lot where people have built shrines over graves and asked the graves to help. I'm from Pakistan and I go back and I see them. They're like, or even there are people who say to, um, yeah, so they ask the righteous people for help. Oh, righteous pe- person, help me. Or they make dua to Allah when they go to his grave and be like, oh, Allah, accept uh, this dua from him. That is wrong. And this is actually committing major, major shirk because you're associating partners with Allah. You, you can't ask from anybody but Allah. You can't mm-hmm. ask from anybody but Allah. Allah is the one who says, "Ask me, and I will respond to you." Mm. If my uh, He's more closer to us than His uh, than our uh, jugular vein, mm. Allah is. So, yeah, that's what I wanted to say. And I also recommend you to buy this book and read it, preferably with a teacher. It's Kitab Al-Tawheed. It's a book of pure monotheism written by Muhammad ibn Abdul al But yes, that's it. Does anyone want to add anything before we wrap it up? Jazakallah khair for listening, everybody. Inshallah, next week's podcast will be soon to come. And yeah. Assalamu alaikum.